0: Hi, friends, and welcome back to another episode of Open House, a fresh, fun, and real podcast where I, Louise Rumble, invite you inside the therapy room with me to learn from some of the very best psychologists, therapists, and sex and intimacy coaches that I have found. No topic is off the table, no question too juicy, and no experience too shameful. At Open House, everyone is welcome and we're on a mission to develop a new mental health experience for all because we believe that true happiness is coming home to yourself under the layers and layers of you that society has told you to be. As ever, please remember that this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and you should always seek professional medical help when necessary. Now, let's get into it and I'll see you on the other side. Hi friends and welcome back to another episode of the Open House podcast. This one is extra special because today's episode is delivered to you in partnership with Sol de Janeiro, the iconic beauty brand that encapsulates everything that we stand for at Open House, celebration, confidence and acceptance, no matter how your body looks or feels. Whether you're a Sol de Janeiro Brazilian Boom Boom Cream fan, or you've seen the bright, bold, confident brand packaging on the shelves and you've been meaning to try, this month, Open House is working with the brand to launch their new product, and I am so excited. It's the Delicia Drench Body Butter, a deeply nourishing formula that helps you to love all of your layers and that is exactly why i'm here because loving all of your layers is where we excel at open house because we're exactly that a culmination of layers and layers that have built up over years and years for as long as we can remember These layers develop through messaging from our parents, from those around us at school, from our caretakers, our friends, the media, and even the news and social media. Whether we're aware of it or not, we've been absorbing messages about meaning, being told who we should be, what we should do, how we should act, and also what we should look like. And these messages have built themselves into our own personal layers that sometimes we don't even realise we have. One of the most beautiful things that I learned as part of my therapy journey is starting to acknowledge that actually it is our job to start to shine a flashlight on these layers and lovingly and gently start to pull them back. These layers might show up in small moments like she looks better than I do or if I just looked better, life would be easier. And it's in these small micro moments and with these thoughts that we can see the layers that exist within us. And instead of hating these moments, we are here to help you use these moments as insights into the potential healing these moments can hold. One of my favorite things about Sol de Janeiro and the brand is the backstory. The brand was founded by Gila Yang, and she found herself stood on a beach in the middle of Brazil, struggling with how she felt during pregnancy. And then she had this moment, realizing that she was surrounded by some of the most incredible, beautiful, self assured, and empowered women around her, but it had nothing to do with how they looked with bodies of all shapes and sizes and an unbelievable amount of confidence. Everyone around her was emanating an energy, and that was an energy that she wanted to share with the world. So she started off on the journey of creating a brand for every person to feel that way, so together we can all start to radiate positivity and warmth. That story really hit a chord with me, and while I'm generally okay with how I look and how my body looks, it hasn't always been this way, and I've always got frustrated with the messaging around us, with people just telling us to just love ourselves, just like yourselves a little bit more. For me personally, I know I was never the prettiest one in my friendship group and I've never been the skinny one. And being told that I was too tall and too muscly by the Royal Ballet at 12 years old left a mark on me that I don't think I even realised until I started going to therapy. Then, being called curvy at a fashion show 10 years later left another mark. And in between those moments, I'm sure there were a thousand other micro-moments that shaped me, as I'm sure they did you too. And today we're going to get into all of that and so much more. Therapy has helped me realize that my relationship with my body goes so much deeper than just my body. And I've slowly, gently and lovingly started on this journey to acceptance. Acceptance with a side of warmth, compassion and the side of it's okay if I look like this today and not like that. Today, I'm here with psychotherapist Stephanie Therapy, who you all know and love. And we're going to get into all of this and help you to understand what is going on with that layer that tells you that if your body just looked different, then maybe you would feel different. And sure, on the days that I'm sweating buckets on a Mexican beach, exiting the sea like a drown rat, and having literal dreadlocks on the back of a motorbike, I know that I might not look my best. And I know that I don't look as cute as the girl next to me and that all of my whites have turned gray in the Mexican laundry. But I'm learning to be okay with that because therapy has taught me that the girl behind these layers is worthy of so, so much love, irrelevant of how I look in that moment. And she's just been waiting her whole life for me to give it to her. Now, let's get into the episode. I'm so excited to share this important, empowering episode with all of you and to take you on this journey. Hi,
1: Stephanie. How are you today? I'm good. I'm so happy to be here, Louise. Not just with you and Open House, but we are a house of Sol de, de My daughter introduced me to this brand and it's everywhere. A lot of younger generations are introducing this self-love, self-care to sort of adults and, and families. So that's what I love about it. So I'm super, super happy to be here.
0: I'm so happy to have you here as well. And I think I want to start today's episode with this statement that I am sure 99.9% of people listening will relate to. And it's different for all of us. The statement is something like, if I could just be a bit prettier, if I could just lose a bit of weight, if I could just sort my hair out, if I could just work the Dyson Airwrap, or maybe if I could just get composite bonding on my teeth, get my eyelashes done, you know, the list can go on and on and on. But the belief is that everything would be easier, better,
1: life would be easier. What is going on here? Is this a core belief? So it's actually a response to an environment, really, where you were rewarded for change. So every time you did something right, every time you did something better, you were rewarded with more love, with more connection. I'm guessing now as adults, more success or more affection, whatever it might be in your relationships or your circumstances, you're learning all the time, Louise, that every time I change something about myself, I'm rewarded with something. And so it's a never-ending cycle. You can never get off that hamster wheel. And when you say rewarded with something, is that
0: the validation so maybe we get stuck in these cycles where someone says oh your hair looks good or oh your teeth look nice and then we kind of get tied to external validation
1: from outside of us is that kind of what you mean there It's less about waiting on those compliments because it's rare, isn't it, Louise, that we go out into day-to-day life and people say, oh, I love your smile or I love your teeth. It's more about how we get to show up with a mask. So what version of myself am I putting outside of my own body? So it's a complete disconnect from self. So if I can position myself socially, romantically, my family system with another version of me that is, pretty, perfect, amazing, high functioning, intelligent, whatever it might be. If I can position that person, then I get to be this person just by myself. And that's why people tend to retreat, withdraw, isolate when they don't feel pretty or they don't feel good. That's
0: so interesting. And I think anyone who's listening is not alone if they have felt that. I honestly wake up some days, I look in the mirror And I'm like, it can't be normal to look like this when you wake up. I literally just look at myself and sometimes I think, (laughs) you literally look like a mole rat. I look awful when I wake up in the morning. And that's really difficult because even though I know that I can look pretty when I've done my hair and I've done my makeup and I can feel good about myself, it's in those moments where you are your raw, real you that it's kind of hard to build that relationship with self. And do you think that that's probably a universal experience is like, we feel good when we have our hair and makeup done when we have a nice outfit on. But actually, that version underneath the real raw us, they can be harder to like and love.
1: Absolutely, Louise. And this is the thing. I work with women who are at home with children all day and don't really have anyone to self-reflect with. I also work with huge influences on social media who are essentially physical or aesthetic role models to these women at home. So there's this huge thing going on, like you said, universally, where all of these people are trying to change themselves and looking at one another saying, I want to be more like you. I wish I could look more like that. Not realizing that every single one of them are all on the same kind of journey. They're all looking at themselves saying, how I am, how I look isn't enough. And it's not necessarily not enough for other people. We can feel like this when we're single. We can feel like this when we are traveling when we don't have a home base we can feel like this amongst our family so this isn't just a belief that we're not good enough for other people it's essentially that we're not good enough for ourselves and that does stem like you said louise from that core belief system what you have heard about beauty the standards that you've grown up around the way people essentially spoke about you growing up and it could be from the smallest, tiniest behaviors and the smallest lack of awareness, I guess, around the women that you grew up around. It's it's huge. There's so many different layers to it. Where do we look? Is it the TV programs I watched? Is it the magazines I read? Is it the subconscious things that I heard growing up as a child? So unpacking all of that sometimes feels so big for people that they just don't do it they just say hey I'll just change my teeth I'll just get a Dyson hair wrap I'll just go and get a better outfit because sitting with that other stuff for some people it can be really difficult
0: <laughs> I'm laughing because it's like they're <laughs> like oh I'm gonna get a Dyson hair wrap and then never be able to use it like everyone's like I can't use it and it's not doing what I wanted it to do yeah and so there is that frustration where I guess people get that thing And then actually it maybe doesn't deliver them the return or the experience or the feeling that they were expecting. And I want to ask if that's something you see in practice, like this kind of never ending cycle, like this belief or assumption that being prettier will lead to just more of a positive life and more positive relationships. But focusing constantly on the outside of us just keeps you on a hamster wheel.
1: Well, we have an integration system, so you're not born with core beliefs, you develop those based on how other people around you are treating each other and treating themselves and treating you. If you could think of it, Louise, in three sections, your first is what you're integrating on a day-to-day basis, what is going into your nervous system, what you are thinking about in your mind, what you're hearing. The second is what is not being integrated, and the third is what is being modified, so if we tell ourselves as a child, no one likes me, no one wants to play with me, and then we walk into the classroom and nobody sits next to us, we've just integrated that. No one wants to sit next to us. We go into the lunch hall and there's no one to sit and have lunch with us. We've just integrated that again. What we're not integrating is actually we haven't spoken to anyone ourselves. What we're not integrating is we've got a great relationship with our family at home. We're not integrating that the teachers love us or we're doing really well at our work. So we never integrate the positive stuff. The integration is taking place with the negative stuff. And then we have the modified side of things where we might say somebody sat next to me today, but it's because the teacher told them to. Or somebody asked me to go to lunch with them today, but it's because they didn't have anyone else to go with. So we're always changing the information that is coming in. But essentially the baseline of what we have, we're already developed as people by the time we get into adulthood. So what you believe about yourself now was already there set in motion as a child.
0: Yeah, and we are going to get into that. And I can't wait to dive back into that childhood piece so people can really understand. That's what we do on this podcast is help people understand how and why they are the way they are today. But I think today is the operative word, is that so many of us today are this version of ourselves that isn't leading to the most fulfilled, real, connected, emotionally stable version of us. And I want to share a story for anyone listening. And it's quite a funny one. So many, many years ago, I somehow came into contact with a very, 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 very famous celebrity's bodyguard. Okay. So like 22 year old Louise at the time was thinking, oh my God, if I date this bodyguard, then I'm going to be in with the family and this is going to be amazing. So I was talking to this guy, we were flirting. It was lots of back and forth. It was funny. It was fast. It was sexy. It was cute. All the things that we learned to do to be a certain version of ourselves and we met in Mayfair there was a big group of people and he said something to me that even when I say it it makes me like cringe literally in my entirety (laughs) because I'm like I feel so sad for like baby Lulu he said to me wow you're way more confident when we speak on the phone you hardly even look me in the eye in person And in that moment, I realized, or maybe I didn't in that moment, I think I was embarrassed in that moment. But now I've gone to therapy and I look back, I realize, oh my goodness, yes, you couldn't hold eye contact with him because you weren't confident in who you were, because I'd basically built this shell of like a cute, sexy girl that this guy would pick and choose. Do you think that that's something that a lot of people will relate to, but maybe even find it hard to admit, like
1: they put a version of themselves out in the world that isn't The real version? Well, that story, it just sums up what we do in general. We sell ourselves, it becomes a sales pitch. And essentially, what we do is we create the connection through that. So I always say to you on this podcast, Louise, that words are the least reliable form of communication. We were told we were loved and then actions outside of that would show that maybe we weren't physically or emotionally connected with our parents. But they would say, we love you, but then they would discipline us or punish us or withdraw from us. So words are the least reliable form of communication, but that's what we do. That's what we give as an exchange instead of the vulnerability. So when you were connecting with this bodyguard and selling yourself and being what you believed he wanted you to be you didn't realize that that wouldn't translate in person and this is what happens on dating apps we go on these apps or we connect with people in the real world and what will happen is we will look at them We will study them because we've learned to do that as children. I know I'm going to be the safest version of myself. I know I'm going to survive because that's all kids are designed to do, to survive. If I watch them, if I observe them, if I'm hypervigilant, so what do they like? What makes them happy? So you start watching these people. So I think I've shared this with you before, Louise. So say you go on a dating profile and this guy is the height that you want or this woman is the height that you want or they look a certain way and you go tick, tick, tick. Wow, great. And then at the bottom, it says something like, I absolutely hate cats. And one of your pictures is you with your cat. You just go and change your picture, remove the cat. So that's something so small, so subtle, changing that picture. That doesn't matter. He's a stranger. He's not going to know. And those tiny little things that we continue to change. So then we meet people and we start to change little things because we know. I've just connected with this person, I love dogs, I'm this, I'm that. He believes he's connecting or she believes they're connecting with the real, authentic version of you. And you think that you've just changed a few little things like you have done your whole life and that it's okay. Now what happens in place of that, Louise, is that when you start to realise you're acting out of your core values... When you're finding yourself moving away, those behaviours breed very negative emotions. So we start being resentful. We start disliking how the person treats us. We start recognising that actually we're not very connected because they've connected to a version of you that isn't true. And that's when the relationships usually don't last or, or they break down.
0: I can relate to that. I remember when I was younger, if someone was like, oh, I love to go camping and hike a mountain, I'd be like, yeah, me too. I don't want to do that. That's not what I want to do in my spare time. I don't want to hike or camp. And now I can be that truthful version of me and say I would prefer to do X, Y, Z. And I think just asking yourself, am I being true to myself in this moment is really important. Taking it back to the body and the body image, let's talk about how that fundamental core belief, like if you believe that your worth is tied to your appearance... Let's talk about how that can show up in other core beliefs like self-criticism or maybe
1: even self-esteem or a hyper-focus on flaws. When we have conversations, Louise, about the physical, for many years, our bodies have been seen as sort of a vehicle to get us through the day, to get us by just a physical vehicle. We haven't really focused too much on how that emotional connects with the physical, how everything we think and feel is connected to a physical part of our body. So our relationships with our physical are very disconnected in terms of centuries. Now, if you do look at sort of how we treat ourselves and how we have done over, I'd say, the past hundred years, everything has changed without going too deeply into society and and social pressures and all of that. But there's a constant change of what is acceptable socially, how we should look, how we should feel. But really, that only matters when you step outside of your home. Inside of your home, the conversations you hear, how your mum treats herself, how your father treats your mum, how age-appropriate conversations are, what can happen is you can start to adopt certain habits that you may believe are keeping the vehicle going, but actually it's keeping the emotional disconnected. And I always say that Our relationship with our mothers is that determines the relationship that we have with our bodies and our self-esteem and our relationship with our fathers determines how we allow others to treat us and and how we interact in the world, especially in dating life. So there are other things mixed in there, sort of how dad treated mom, but ultimately how she treated herself. If she told you that you were the most beautiful thing in the world, you were incredible, you're amazing, you're smart, she loves you deeply... But then you saw her skipping meals. You saw her not setting boundaries. You saw her starving, abusing her body, binge eating, smoking, drinking. Guess what you're going to do? When you don't feel good, when the chips are down, you're going to start treating yourself the same. And it doesn't matter what you have been told. Ultimately, your subconscious programming is going to lead you to treat yourself the same way.
0: I think that point around internal messaging from the family unit is so important because most people listening to this today I think will be thinking yeah I know why I need to work out how to use the Dyson Airwrap it's because every single influencer I see has the most perfect bouncy blow dry right but actually it does go deeper than that and I think I'm really grateful that you touched on how multifaceted it is and how many different angles there are but I do think that's such a good question to ask yourself is what were the first messages you got about your body in the family unit and I know that for me, I did horse riding when I was young. So I developed my muscles quite early on. Then I became a ballet dancer quite seriously. And as I said in the intro, I was told you're going to be too tall and you're going to be too muscly. If at that point I had someone sit me down and say, bodies come in all shapes and sizes and you're going to go on to become a gymnast and you're going to be so good at it because that's what happened next. And I was strong and I was powerful and I was flexible no one had that conversation with me. I just left the Royal Ballet thinking, I'm not skinny enough, I'm not small enough. And then we wonder why we have these inherent belief systems that make us feel awful about ourselves. If you wanted to guide someone on how to ask that question, to reflect on their childhood, should they be thinking, how did mum make me feel? Is that a good place to start?
1: Yeah. Or how did mum take care of herself? And you've just touched on Louise, again, you've connected body with career. A gymnast, ballet, those types of things. Historically speaking, our body only really sort of was only useful in the home, and that sounds awful to say as a woman. Our body was only useful for raising children, and society has changed now. And people, it's great because people can say, "I don't want kids." You know, that's not what I want. I don't want to be in a family. So we had to start defining the body outside of the home who do I want to be start connecting with our sexuality how do I want people to see me and again we haven't had a template of what that looks like we can't say to our grandmothers what was it like when you were out dating because they didn't do that they got married young and they went into the workspace so early on we don't have those templates so we are the template we are the foundation especially women now in their 30s we're like the first generation to come from freedom loving women we are creating this new path and so recognizing that what your mum believes about herself believes about her body what was normal for her what you heard growing up might not be right you've got to challenge it because everything is based on narrative that mum's voice that comes up for you and it could be something as small as you're not going out dressed like that that challenge why are you wearing this why are you doing that we live in such different times to our parents and our grandparents.
0: I'm so happy we've gone into this core belief, not only the way that mum treats herself, but also maybe lots of people listening will have had comments made about them. You shouldn't eat that or you should do this X, Y, Z. Because I think if we tie it back to Gila's story, the founder of this incredible brand, that moment that she was stood on that Brazilian beach, she didn't feel good about herself in her body. Her body was changing. And I know that's something that so many women go through. As she looked around, everyone was so confident and so empowered, but they all looked so different. So I think what's so interesting is that across all of those people, there was one silver thread that connected everybody, which is the core belief, the inherent belief that they were beautiful and they looked great and they should walk around on the beach the way that they were. And that's just really interesting. Do you think some of it's cultural? Because I know that in the UK, particularly, we're told to be seen and not heard. That was my mum's line. She still says it now. We were told in my generation, you should be seen and not heard. We're not really taught to celebrate our bodies, whether they're curvy, whether they're athletic, whether they're skinny. We're all different, but we're not all taught to celebrate ourselves. Talk to me
1: about the cultural angle on that. Culture is huge because, again, what I do for a living, I have to hold space for so many different backgrounds and upbringings. And all trauma is valid. So... People's experiences are so unique to them. Now, a woman who's brought up in quite a conservative household, maybe a religious household, may never have seen her mum's body. She may never have seen shaved legs. She may never have seen blow-dried hair. She may never have seen an expression of outward self-love. She may have just been covered up, or it might have been that their home operated on a very quick process of valuing men and not women. Equally, there may be someone in another country whose mum was sort of celebrated in the home. Mum got to wear the short skirts, bikinis, and she was a bit of an icon in the home. So speaking about that culture, you're talking here as well, especially with Sol de Janeiro, we're talking about Brazil. And even from Being someone from the UK, we look at Brazil and we go, colour, life, fun. And to even be in Brazil, we can experience that, but we don't know what that feels like at our core because the UK, a lot of countries and cultures are inherently negative and we bask in that. We talk about the weather, it's cold, we cover up, we hide. So we get to hide behind those blankets. In Brazil, you don't get to do that because the sun's shining. You've got to celebrate yourself. And if you are out on that beach, you have to make sure that you feel good because you're going to come across a lot of beautiful people. We don't have to do that. And again, our parents didn't have to do that. So our parents didn't have to worry that someone was going to judge them. We have never looked at ourselves as much as we do now, Louise. I remember sharing this with you. I used to get up in the morning, go to school, and I'd brush my teeth in the mirror, and then I'd go There was no one taking photos of me. There was no one. I wasn't opening up my telephone and seeing a picture of myself reflected back. If we did take pictures, we got them developed, at Max Spielman, and then we uploaded them all to Facebook. They weren't edited. No one. They were just memories, fun. There were no selfies. And so the children now and the generations that are looking at themselves, they have to work on their relationships. They need brands. They need healthy images. They need People who, who are all different shapes and sizes celebrating themselves because they are all looking at themselves and saying, hey, how do I compare? We didn't have to do that. And our parents didn't have to do that.
0: You are so right. You said body hair as well, which was such an interesting thing that we haven't put in the planning. But I really want to go into quickly because the thing I love about Sol de Janeiro is about celebration, no matter what you look like. And I know for me that I used to date a Kurdish man and his beautiful Kurdish family one of the sisters was very, very hairy. And I'm actually weirdly quite hairy for a white girl. Like I said, Project Dolphin, like got a lot of laser (laughs) hair removal. Everything's under control now, but people don't expect it. And this girl, much younger than me, probably a decade younger than me, did not shave her legs, did not shave her armpits. And she was like, why should I? This is me. And I want to be loved for who I am. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I wish that this messaging, this mentality had been around 10 years ago when I would look at my legs and be like, that isn't normal. So I do think we're making great steps in the right direction. And I think that Sol de Janeiro is a huge part of that. The messaging, the celebration, it's so important. And I'm really glad
1: that we're touching on that. Yeah, because we have to disconnect the, the need to be beautiful for ourselves and the desire to be beautiful for other people. Because My daughter goes to an all-girls school and she still wants to look nice. She still wants to feel nice. So it's not connected to anybody else. It's not because she's trying to do it for anybody else. It's for herself. And that's what I do love about being able to post things online and see brands on TikTok and social media. We're able to look and say, that's how they do things. Maybe I should be a bit better at this or I should do that. Rather than what can I change? What can I incorporate? What can I integrate into my life that's different? It's accepting that actually... Our families or our parents, they come from a different generation. What was designed for them? And don't forget that with the women's empowerment movement in the 60s, what then happened was we had more women shifting out of the home, more interaction with other people, and then industrialised food. So people stopped cooking. So our body shapes have changed now. So we eat different types of foods. Everything has changed. So if we do not start accepting different bodies, different sizes, shapes, we will always, like we said, be on that hamster wheel. It will be one thing, the next thing. And we see it all the time. I see it with my clients who have body dysmorphia. They've grown up with acne, perhaps change. A lot of what they're trying to change has come from a small message from a parent who went, oh, my child has acne. Maybe I've done something wrong. Maybe I need to change their diet. I'm a bad person or my child's unhappy or my child's put weight on. That's my fault. It's a control issue. So you might have a parent say to you, do you need to eat that? Why are you eating so much? You're being greedy or you need to stop using this on your skin. Your skin's bad. And then the more we keep changing, even if our parents are way out of the picture, we are still trying to change that one aspect of ourselves based on one tiny little message. So it's so important that language that we're using around other people is positive and uplifting and we're celebrating other people.
0: I love what you said about are you doing it or changing it for you or for someone else? And I feel like my whole life, everything I did was for other people. And we're going to get into dating today, but it was so someone else would think I was more attractive or so I would fit in here or look better here. And then when I started therapy... All of that started to change. And now when I go to the gym and I am gym obsessed, it is the thing that is the best thing ever for my mental health. It's a huge part of who I am. But every single time I go, I literally talk to my body and I say, I'm here because I love you. I'm doing this for our future self. I'm doing it for the me that might have a kid one day and I want to be able to squat down 100 times a day. I'm doing it for the me that's 85 years old I don't want to fall over and that be a downward spiral. I'm always doing it for my future me. And that's so powerful because the old Louise, she was always doing it for someone else. Do you think that future you analogy can be helpful for someone who's like, hey, I want to change this. Where do I start?
1: I think, like you said, future you, present you and past you. So. Past you believed that if she just said she needed to change or if she just changed things about her personality or she had adapted to what everybody else needed, then she would be good enough. What you are now doing, Louise, is you are incorporating new behaviors and healthy patterns into your life that actually make a difference to how you feel before you go back out there into the world. So, for example, last night I arrived in London and I was checking in. Old Louise might have been like, oh, I better go and greet Stephanie. But you said, hey, just off to get some endorphins. Let me know when you're checked in, which is great for me because I wanted to get settled in and I didn't want to do the whole greeting thing and I wanted to get unpacked. So that in itself accepting that you're going to do something for yourself and in turn the relationship that you have with yourself makes you a better person around others and that's what I was doing too. So if we are all operating from that place, doing it for ourselves, naturally you get that connection with people anyway. If you had said, do you want to come to the gym? I'm going to go to the gym. Did you bring trainers? I would have panicked. I didn't bring any gym gear. Just leave people out of it. Have that sort of relationship with yourself and then the connection will come after that anyway.
0: I love that. And I think where I also want to take today's episode is talking about how this focus on body image or tying our appearance to our self-worth can really impact the relationships that we have around us. Now, I think that this can apply to friendships, but predominantly dating. So what I found when I was younger was I was always focusing on how I looked and being in the best shape so someone would be more likely to find me attractive and sexy and cute. And then, as everyone listening to this podcast knows, I entered into a life changing relationship a couple of years ago with someone that I never would have expected to be in a relationship with. And it was the first moment when I really let someone into the truth of me, my story, what I'd been through. And it was life changing because for the first time ever, how I looked just wasn't that important. He loved me, he thought I was beautiful. But it was like a secondary or third tier. The foundation of the relationship was like, I love you for you. And in that moment, I realized this is a real relationship that I'm experiencing. Do you think it's fair to say that if we do keep our worth tied to our appearance, that we might be keeping our relationships
1: surface level and maybe even shallow to some degree? Absolutely. Those types of behaviors keep you emotionally unavailable because you are always locking something away within yourself. That relationship is dependent on you feeling like you have to please that person. That relationship is dependent on you always looking your best. And it is impossible for even the most beautiful of people to look perfect all of the time. And I shared this earlier with you, Louise. There is a snippet from Sophia Loren when she was in Hollywood, and I think it was 1970, and her husband says to her, the cameraman cannot get the angle. He says, your nose is too big. And he says, do you want to go in for a nose job? Do you want us to fix this? And she said, and then what? And then fix the next body part next. So what we have to do is change the cameraman. And that's how we have to see it. If you are in a relationship that is dependent on you repeatedly changing yourself or they cause you to feel bad about yourself the wrong relationship can have you feeling disgusting gross overweight even when you're not and the right relationship can have you feeling like a supermodel and I do think to a certain extent, it takes a long period to get there. Not a negative period, but a period of self-reflection, self-awareness. You have to get sick of your own crap. You have to be so fed up of criticizing yourself. You have to be so sick of what's not working for you to get to that point of, I don't want another conversation where I'm selling myself. You, you're talking to someone and they say, oh, send me a selfie. And And you're like, you haven't even asked me about my day. You haven't even sent me a good morning text. So we get so sick of that. And I think it takes a while to get there. And when you do meet those authentic relationships, you click straight away. Look at yours and our relationship, Louise, straight away. Hey, this is me being vulnerable. Hey, this is me being vulnerable. Click. That's what happens because two people have let their guard down completely. And if you are not able to do that, you are naturally going to attract people who love you for how you look. And I've had people booking consultation calls with me for therapy. And on the consultation call, they've said to me, my wife has changed. Her body's changed. She's let herself go. And I've wanted to just be like... Yeah, I was going to say. um, And you just think, you know, that relationship and then they'll say, this is how it started. But she wasn't always that way. And you haven't held space for her changing. You haven't held space for the fact that maybe she was hiding parts of herself, wanting someone to be perfect all the time. If you yourself want your partner to be perfect. That means that you've got to be perfect too. It's exhausting. So we also have to let our guards down enough to be around people who are softer, who are kinder. If we go looking for perfect, we always say it for women like a tall guy, masculine guy, alpha guy. He's got to have this, got to have that. Naturally, you're going to have to fall into that category. There's going to be no substance, no conversations, and you might then have to change who you are. So finding those authentic relationships is going to allow you to feel so peaceful. I'm really glad that you mentioned the word exhausting
0: because I'm sure everyone listening agrees that it's exhausting feeling like we have to be someone or look a certain way or have our body a certain way or have our hair a certain way for me in that last relationship and it's the same in my current relationship to just be loved for who I am so messy so many emotions like Bad hair, sweaty. I sweat on my top lip in a way that is not (laughs) normal. In Mexico, it's like, that's my mustache. It's like my sweat mustache. To be loved for that is so liberating. And anyone listening to this that maybe hasn't had that love where you can be messy and you can cry and you can be out of your best shape and still be treated like a goddess or a god, whoever you are listening to this, it's really revolutionary. And it's the relieval of that pressure that you said. I also loved what you said around it's connected to emotional unavailability. I just want to dig into that because I feel like we brushed over that quite quickly. Let's extrapolate on that because what my therapist taught me was that by me always focusing on how I looked and how much money I made and focusing on how tall they were or how much money they made, they were all blocks to real intimacy. Do you think it's fair to say the longer the checklist, the more
1: likely it might be that you aren't actually facing up to true emotional availability? Absolutely. And something you said there, I'm loved unconditionally. This man has taken my heart and he treats it tenderly and he allows me to be myself and my sweaty top lip and all of us." <laughs> and you listed all the things that are negative about Louise. But what you didn't share there, Louise, is that you accept a lot of things about him that you may not have looked for in previous partners. So it's so easy to connect with someone who's emotionally unavailable because if we can exchange our physical, then we don't have to exchange our emotional. So these exchanges that you were having in your previous relationships before this relationship, naturally, you were saying, hey take my physical. My emotional is too raw. My emotional is too vulnerable. You didn't want to exchange that. So you also didn't want that back. So that previous Louise could not have been in this relationship because she was shallow. She wasn't connected. You wouldn't have been able to love him. So our ability to love others and connect with others is directly in correlation with their ability to love us too. It's these relationships that we enter, you cannot expect to have so much in a person when you're giving nothing back. So we have to assess Am I emotionally available? Am I looking for exit doors? If we go and date the guy that doesn't usually settle down or he works too much, or that's a direct exit door. And when he turns around and says, Hey, I can't date you because I work too much, or Hey, listen, I'm not really ready for a relationship, instead of saying, Oh, it's because I'm ugly, I'm gross, I'm disgusting, or We get to say, oh, it's because he works too much. We already have the excuse there. So we get to then label it as something else. We're so afraid of being rejected, abandoned. We're so afraid of that person not choosing us that we choose people that are not going to choose us anyway, not because of who we are or how we look, but because of something in their life. It gives us so much control. You had so much control in those last situations because you were able to say, oh, it's because of this, because you've dated long distance before. Remember Mr. Dubai, but you're now in a long distance relationship in terms of you're from different countries and you moved. You moved there. Why did you move? Because I'm now emotionally available. And that's the difference.
0: Yeah, you're right. My therapist, when I first told her I met someone in Mexico, was like, this is just another way for you to avoid keep intimacy at bay. Yeah, yeah
1: but I showed her (laughs) two years later, still living in Mexico. The hardest thing is even when the relationship, you feel like, is this right for me? Like, got to stick it out because like you said, you've given up so much and that's what vulnerable people do. You exchange something. You say, I love my life in London. I love my family. I love my work, but I'm going to give that up for you. And you're there talking about how emotionally available he is, but you exchanged a lot too to be in this relationship.
0: I think what I loved the most about what you said just now was that, It's about just loving someone for who they are. And I think we have this issue in today's society that not only are we looking at ourselves in the mirror saying, I should be more like this and I should be less like this, but we also have that in our partner. If they were just more like this, if they just worked a bit harder, if they just made a bit more money. And that, I think, is very damaging to the relationship that we have with others. What I've learned through this therapy journey is to just, like myself, for who I am in this moment. Not the Louise that could be half a stone lighter. Not the Louise that could get composite bonding and have different teeth. Just learning to accept me for me. And that extrapolates out into him. In my old relationship, I was trying to change him. If you just do this, then you'll get this. And then we'll get this. Why don't you do this? It's so easy for you to do this. Coming into this relationship, I've realized that We really shouldn't be trying to change anyone. We can inspire them, but we should not be forcing them or
1: really cajoling them into doing anything. But that provides safety, doesn't it, when we control. So when we are internally struggling, we find something external to control, whether it's food, drink, people. And that's what our parents were doing. So our parents, for example, who grew up without money instilled it into us that success and money was super important because they didn't want to see us go without. It wasn't a negative thing. It was because they were so scared that we wouldn't be successful. A woman who, for example, was just a caregiver, a stay-at-home mom who felt like she didn't follow her own dreams because she had children and her husband to take care of, will instill it into her children to always keep some money set aside and have your own house and and maybe get your own mortgage. So we don't always have to look at the negative sides of childhood trauma. We can look and say. This experience I had was integrated because my mom was trying to protect me or my father was trying to protect me. And I have certain co-parenting differences where he will say, I want her to be a super independent woman and have this. And I say, I want her to be frolicking in the meadows and foraging for mushrooms because it's exhausting being a strong independent woman. That message that we keep giving out, we are exhausted. So where do we find the balance of her having passions and her own independence, but still not? draining herself to get that so it's stepping off the mission I think it's stepping out of this gotta keep going gotta keep working towards something and that's the thing the messaging from childhood is always like you said what else can I do what more control can I have it's relinquishing the control it's not enough just to say I've got to like myself because we were never told that we were lovable just as we were we played the piano and dad said wow I love it when she plays piano we played tennis and mom said oh I always wanted to be a tennis player and oh it's amazing and look how much money we've spent on these tennis lessons so every time we changed something we were rewarded and that we've been doing that too and little triggers people that we grow up around bullying is a huge thing as well at school and something was pointed out about you naturally that's going to trigger you for your whole life until you have the power to change it but if we do not develop and create a strong sense of self everyone can influence us and and we've touched on body image and what was fashionable with the bbls and everyone injecting fillers into their bodies and now the trend is going back to the 90s and it's like okay so where does that filler now go do you go back to get your body done, what it's never ending, and how exhausting. I couldn't imagine how that would feel now for my body to not fit in socially to a trend. It, that's insane that we're promoting that.
0: That's the exhaustion piece that we said. It must be exhausting to just be trying to keep up with the pressures of being the version of us that the world tells us that we should be. Because if we're that version, then we're prettier and we're going to be happier and we're going to be easier to love. I couldn't agree with that more and I'm glad that you're talking about ultimately the core belief below this because I think a lot of people will be listening to this thinking yeah that was me I got filler because everyone else got filler or I go to the gym five times a week but I hate it I'm doing it because I want to look a certain way I need to look a certain way rather than caring about my metabolic rate and my lung capacity and all of the actual health things so for those people that are listening that are thinking yeah that's me. I have done things and I do dress a certain way and I do work out a certain way and I do beauty treatments and get filler, blah, blah, blah. There's obviously a fine line. You can do things that make you feel great. That's perfect. The other fine line is on the other side, I'm actually doing this for someone else. Do you think that's a question that people should be asking if they're thinking about maybe making changes to their body, hair, whatever it is, who am I doing this for?
1: I think an important exercise that for anyone to do would be to just imagine your 10year old self sitting in that room with you and you're saying to her, "You're disgusting, you're ugly, your teeth are yellow, your nose is big, no one likes you, no one wants to be around you." How would it feel to be in the room doing that to her? Because that's essentially what you're doing. Would you sit with your friend and say, oh, you're gross, no one wants to be with you, you're going to be single forever, you're worthless." No one even likes you at work. You would never do that because one, they would get up and leave that room and your inner child would be devastated. She would be crippled with hurt and pain. So every time you do that, every time you look in the mirror and you say, I shouldn't have ate that meal. Now I'm bloated. Now I'm disgusting. Every time you look at yourself and you say, this is why I've got no friends or this is why I can't attract a partner. You're saying to that little girl or that little boy, you don't deserve love. You don't deserve love. Why don't I? And that child is going to say, why? why don't I deserve love? Because you're not pretty enough. Well, tell me what pretty is. What is enough? Because it's never ending. And this is why it's so important in childhood to be able to allow our children to have voices. Because that boundary that child sets with you, it's age eight or age 11 or age 15. That's going to be the boundary that they set with a partner who tells them to change themselves or a boss who tells them to change themselves. So we can't expect adults to go out into the world and be equipped to deal with low self-esteem and anxiety and hurtful people and pain. If we're not equipping them in childhood with that, you can't sit and bully your children or criticize your children and then expect them to love themselves just because they changed something or, or got older. It doesn't leave you. I love that
0: TikTok trend, which was you get the little picture of you as like a baby girl or a baby boy. And for anyone that's listening that is struggling with some of the things we're talking about, I would 100% get that in the back of your phone case, maybe stick it on the mirror. Because I would say that I don't have really that internal critic in my head anymore. And that's because I've done so much therapy. I really do think I'm kind to myself in a way that I never have been. And I really don't ever look in the mirror and think, you look horrible And that softness has been really life-changing for me and it's been not just as a result of falling in love with nice men because people might be listening thinking oh well it's easy for you because you're in a relationship with xyz but actually it came from the inside of me and it came from the understanding that my whole life I've had a horrible bully in my head like we all do that is criticizing everything I do and actually for that to just calm down is so incredible. To just be able to just be and just be like, I'm going to, right before this podcast, I literally just hoofed down a whole cinnamon swirl. And it was amazing. And I loved every second of it. And I was like, you're doing such a good job. Have the cinnamon swirl. I don't even think about it. And I loved it. And then we're here and now I'm happy. There's no guilt. There's no regret. And I know that's a lot easier than said than done for some people. But what advice would you give for the people that do have that bully in their head? How can you start to catch it other than just getting a photo of baby you and keeping it on you?
1: A lot of people that I work with embrace them in a child. They say, yeah, I was unkind to her. Yeah, other people were unkind to her. She was lonely. We'll do this exercise where... We'll go into uh, meditation and then we'll sort of take them into their childhood home and look at how they felt in that home. And usually they'll get this feeling of an aura or an energy. Some people will not go in because they totally reject their inner child. They hate their inner child because the criticism is so deep for them and the relationship. So they have already fully abandoned a younger version of themselves anyway. So they will naturally Continue the bullying, continue the narrative. And as you just said with your relationship, it's not because I've got a relationship that makes me feel good that I feel good about myself. The knowledge that if I end up in a breakup or if I have to leave Mexico or if I have to return and I'm by myself, I will be fine because guess what, I feel good on my own. That's what keeps your relationship strong because even if you turn around tomorrow and said, I'm not attracted to you anymore, I don't wanna be with you, you would be fine you would be okay. The first step I would sort of make in trying to understand what the narrative is assessing your past and your family system and just looking sort of how people treated each other and it could be small things like how did people apologize to one another was there sort of banter and jokes around body image and what control did your mum have in the home perhaps your mum was a caregiver and and a homemaker and the only control that she really had was cooking and cleaning and so a lot of issues around how you look and, and and what you were eating have featured heavily in your life or perhaps you had a family who were perfectionists and Inside the home, it was chaotic and crazy. And then the minute you stepped outside, you had to project an image. So get working on that system. How did we speak to one another? My own mum last year, I remember my hair was like tied up on the top of my head. i had been cleaning and she said, oh, if all your followers could see you now. And I just went, Yeah, well, that's interesting because my followers follow me for my content, for my value, for the lessons I help them with their life. They don't follow me to see how I look. Be aware of what you're carrying. You've got this huge rucksack on your bag of crap. Open up that rucksack. That's mine. That's yours. I did that. You can have that one back. Dad, that's yours. Mum. that's yours. Sisters, you can have that. X's, that's all yours, this is mine, this sort of pile is mine, this is how I speak to myself, this is what I genuinely don't like about myself. And that might, you don't like that you eat at nighttime junk food because the next day you feel bloated or whatever. You can change that the things that the majority of people attack us with are not changeable things the stuff that we talk to ourselves about can be changed if we start to incorporate healthy habits like you said going for a walk when you don't feel great or you know that you've been drinking alcohol all weekend and you feel a bit low so know that you that week you've got to be more connected to people but the stuff that people have used against us usually isn't changeable
0: you mentioned the word projecting there as well which i think is so interesting I feel like if you're in the dating world and you're using dating apps, you probably feel like you need to project the best version of yourself, like right up front. Maybe some people put really the best pictures that don't actually look like them, or maybe they're posy, or maybe they're using Facetune. I think that for me, one of the most incredible things was just learning that if I can start to show up on day one, obviously not like in my worst day ever but just being okay with maybe turning up in jeans and a t-shirt little bit of makeup and let's see how this date goes whereas the old louise would literally have done my makeup for like an hour and a half before the date maybe i would have gone to get a blow dry just that like relaxing into a midpoint between this is the perfect projected version of me and this is the 8 a.m mole rat how i wake up (laughs) looking in the morning What are your thoughts on taking actionable steps to just showing up in scary situations like first dates as a nice version of you, even if it might not be the three hour made up version of you?
1: So that's such a great question, Louise, because with dating apps, it's hard because you do, you want to draw people in. And if you put your real life on there, chances are most people are going to go past you. They're going to go to the other people who are putting their sort of edited pictures up there. So what's happened socially is that there is now a standard That is out there. We never had that before. We weren't comparable to other people. So say, for example, you've never edited your pictures. You loved how you looked. Now you're online, but everyone looks perfect. So now you're like, well, maybe I should edit them. So it becomes like a process of changing things or even we just used to take pictures just sitting down. Now we stand up, we stand in front of buildings, we take pictures of our food. So We do live in that world anyway, so it's natural that you're going to take those types of pictures. But in terms of dating apps, I agree with you. Being able to show up on date one is just yourself. It's easier said than done. It really is because it's a marketplace If you were buying furniture, if you were buying clothes, if you were online shopping, you're going to look at how the model's wearing it, how it looks, how it fits, the quality of the material. That is what we do with dating on apps. When you meet someone, there's nothing more comfortable than being introduced to someone, getting along or bumping into someone and just it feels so peaceful and comfortable. We have to try and create that comfort with those people. And the last time I was on dating apps a few years ago, this guy looked at my pictures and he said... Ha ha I just gotta let you know that I'm really poor and you look like you like to go to expensive places. And I thought and You were like, Yes I do. <laughs> no, I was thinking I grow my own food. I spend ninety oh, percent of my time with my daughter, I walk my dog, I'm there thinking, my life but my pictures were my best pictures. They were me in Ibiza, they were me in uh. Dubai. Because I was positioning myself as the this is me but it didn't align with my values. And then when you start speaking to someone, you find that actually their life is very different. So as long as your conversations are aligned with who you are, you're joking around or you're sharing family values, if you are positioning yourself aesthetically a certain way, let people know that, listen, we all put our our best pictures out there, but I'm actually really relaxed, I'm super cool, I'm very chilled, or I don't spend a lot of time out drinking, even though I've got four pictures up there with an espresso martini, I'm not a big drinker, whatever it might be, let the conversation lead you towards that sort of true connection.
0: Yeah, true connection. And I think that also is about a true connection with ourselves. And one thing that has changed my life has been dressing for me, Dressing for how I feel. And sure, I love to put on like a tiny little black dress and feel super sexy. And everyone knows this about me. I love a baggy suit. If I'm between a 10 and a 12, I will always pick the 12. I won't try and force myself into the size that society told me I should be so I can feel better about myself. Because in that moment at the till, I might feel better. But for the next two years, when I feel horrible every time I put that pair of jeans on, or more realistically, as we all know, You never wear the jeans because they're uncomfortable. That's not good in the long run. So for everyone listening to this, I would ask, what small changes can you make in your life that don't require huge pieces of work and getting filler and spending a lot of money? Last night in our goodie bags in our hotel room, there's the Sol de Janeiro, the golden body oil. And it's so gorgeous, like the way that if you wear an off the shoulder top, maybe you can highlight your collarbone. That for me is really sexy. That is really beautiful. You know that feeling when you're like on a date and you just feel great. So maybe you're the girl that wants to use that body oil. Maybe you want to use the new body cream and it be an ode to you. Or maybe you want to wear a baggy suit and a big pair of statement earrings. You don't have to do what everyone else is doing,
1: right? I love that you're going to get to use yours because I will have to fight to keep hold of my samples because my daughter is just going to be drenched in it. She's going to have the Delicia on her. She's going to be lying on the bed with her face mask on. <laughs> she has a full beauty routine and I have to watch her sometimes or I go, what does this do? What does?" This? And She loves teaching me. And this is the thing. It's Like you said, being able to connect with what you need, what is important for your body, what makes a difference for you. We're in a society where we will get dressed up because we're taking pictures. We will take photos of everything that we're doing, but actually we don't wear matching underwear unless we're in an intimate relationship or we might not go and get our hair done because we're not going anywhere. So one thing that was huge in our household growing up, and I will share this with my clients, my mum never looked nice in the home in fact she uses the term robber's dog so yeah she would look rough in the house but then she was like a swan I was like parents evening woo, is that, <laughs> who's that so the majority of people have had that experience just wearing leggings and t-shirts in the home and chilling and this is the thing like you said if you love doing that and that's comfortable for you that doesn't mean that you shouldn't have parts of your routine that still feel luxurious or still feel comforting for you things that you can do that make your body feel good Full body moisturising, a cold shower, taking care of your teeth. Like, taking care of yourself is so much better than changing it. The people that just change it, quick fix, everything in our lives. I'm hungry, Uber Eats, Deliveroo. Oh, I'm going out tomorrow night, pretty little thing. Or, you know, you're just clicking, clicking, clicking. And then it's like, oh, new teeth, oh, new hair. When does it end? That isn't sustainable. And when when do you look inwards? Yeah, and it's leading towards vulnerability. It's being vulnerable enough to say like we said earlier, how do I celebrate myself? How do I say I love this about myself? And I think it's Ariana Grande, she said she stopped having everything done to her face. And she said, I want to start looking at my laughter lines. I want to like wear these because she has dealt with so much loss and grief in her life. And then she said, I've got the privilege of growing old. Mm. And I'm getting older. I want to see myself getting older. And that's vulnerable. That's being able to say, I love how I'm changing. I love how my body's different. I love that now that I'm a bit older, I'm a bit more mature or whatever it might be. It's embracing that, I think. And like we said, celebrating that.
0: That is literally the perfect place to end because I'm the queen of laughter lines, like So many smile lines like around my eyes. And I can't tell you the number of facials that I've gone to in my life where they have pointed at them and jabbed them and said, We could do some Botox here for you. Okay. And I did it once like 15 years ago and it looked awful because it changed the whole shape of my face because it froze my smile lines and I smile. Yeah. They didn't move upwards and it was so awful and so horrible. And that's why I don't do any work to my face because I had a bad experience like a very long time ago. And now also I love my laughter lines they're really intense like they're really deep and when I was in South Africa this Christmas I looked at my dad and I thought that's who I got them from he has the same laughter lines as me and everyone always says to me I mean I don't hate them but they would say you don't need to hate them we love them it's because you laugh all the time and it's also because I cry it's because I feel everything and I express everything and I think that's the perfect place to end is that people might tell us that you could do this or you should do this. But when you start to ground down into the truth of who you are, the truth that you are just enough, the moment you came out the womb, you were enough. And it's just the world around you that has told you you that you should be different or that you should feel different. That's really when you can start to build that internal foundation and relationship with yourself, which is that. I love my smile lines and I might be a little bit curvier and softer than I usually am, but I'm happy. And I love, like, we went for dinner last night and we ate pizzas and it was amazing. That was love. Love for me is enjoying and experiencing. And if that means that I might not look like the front of a girl on a magazine, I'm okay with that because I'm loving and I'm living and the, I'm laughing sometimes.
1: <laughs> the girl on the front of the magazine doesn't look like the girl on the front of the magazine. She also grew up with a mom. She also had a dad who people that might have influenced her in a way to feel bad about herself. Perhaps that's why she became a model. So we don't even know what other people are carrying. I can honestly tell you I've never walked through a busy place or a shopping mall or, and, and looked and gone, she's fat, he's ugly, she's hairy. I don't feel that way about people. And I know that people don't feel that way about me, but it's usually the fear of rejection, abandonment. We get into these connections with people and we're so desperate to keep them close that we will change something to keep them close. And that's what it is. And if that's the drive, it's so important to heal that. And, And like I said, go back into your family systems and say, how do you feel about yourself? Or saying to people, I love this about you and letting them know. That, that they're beautiful, that they're, they're lovely just the way they are so that you can feel that within yourself and you'll get that back, reflected back. Oh,
0: Yeah, if you're warm outwards, you get that back from people around you. And I think that's the perfect place to end. Okay. So thank you so much. This was really so powerful. We've never jumped into this before and I feel like we touched on so many different parts. And most of all, I'm just excited to empower people that you are lovable, sweaty top lip, Thousand smile lines. Right. Yeah, so before you think that we are perfect, we were here <laughs> with lovely, beautiful makeup on our face and then we had our ankles bronzed.
1: Yeah, and we literally smell like a Saldaneiro like, tent. <laughs> yeah. like, we're just covered in product. And that, but that makes me feel
0: good. When I use the product... It sounds stupid, but I feel alive. When I feel smells, it really invigorates me. So find a perfume that you love. Use the mist. Find the mist that works for you. Something that in that quick spritz, it brings you to life in the low moments. We are all different. Just because we function in one way and feel one way, it doesn't mean it's going to be like that
1: for you. So We felt good today. And it's because, like you said, we connected to ourselves. And we came in this room and we went, oh my God, look, everything's so pretty and colourful. And it's like why can't we have that at home? This does look like my daughter's bedroom. This is what she does, like secret online shopping. But yeah, thank you for having me, Louise. My pleasure, I'm so happy that you've been here today.